I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the How to Save Our Planet podcast. In this episode today, I'm talking with the one and only Allegra Spender, the federal member for the Wentworth electorate and one of the dubbed Teal Independents. In this episode, I'm talking all about her journey and how she got into politics itself. It's not quite linear, you could say, but also how to take an, a more climate action approach, I guess you could call it, to politics and how she is working to lobby groups and individuals who might not have been so climate-minded themselves and how you too can do that. It's a really interesting episode and there are lots of actionable tips and different pieces of advice that you can kind of walk away with and feel empowered to make a change in your day-to-day life. So I'm really excited to share this one with you. So let's get into it. Thank you so much for joining me today, Allegra. So Allegra, you are the third generation in your family to sit in federal parliament, but your journey to get there hasn't quite followed that traditional route. Rather than come as from a political advisor role like so many before you, you have a breadth of business experience. So how do you think your background as a business professional has prepared you for this role? Look, I think it's actually been, I think, really helpful to have both business experience but experience across a bunch of different sectors, including the not-for-profit sector. Um, because in Parliament and in, in as a representative, you have so much breadth of what you have to take into account. And also, you know, you also always have to think about there's the theory, but how's this really going to impact people's lives on a day-to-day basis? How practical this is. And I think actually having that practical experience of running a business and that lived experience of sort of different sectors means that I can sort of deal with the breadth, but I can always bring that kind of practicality back, which I think is so important. I think it is. And I also think it's that relatability to people. You understand their issues and you understand what's going on, which I'm not saying that people who have come from a political advisor role don't have that experience, but they don't have that lived experience. I think you're absolutely right that that helps. And I think also the sort of the approach you take in business is, and in the work I've done, it's always been to listen to people and try and come to a practical, workable consensus. I think that's most of how our society works. And I think the political experience can be very um, sort of conflicted and about scoring points, but that's not actually how most people want politics to act and it's not how most of us live in our day-to-day life and so I think having a mentality that's constructive that's practical that's listening first and bringing things together I think is is useful definitely in the parliament. No I agree there so you've been in your seat now for about 18 months when we released this episode so what do you think have been some of your biggest achievements? Look, I think some of, you know, when I come back to what the people want me to do and they wanted me to act on, take action on climate, make sure we had a kinder society and also make sure that it works for business. And so those are the things I've been focused on. And so very much taking action on climate 
So I voted to pass the climate bill to legislate an emissions target of 43%, but also negotiated amendments to make that stronger. And including also then when on other key climate bills, things like the safeguard mechanism, again, worked with the government to make that stronger, you know, worked on the Nature Repair Act to make it stronger and to push the government further on climate than they took to the election because it's absolutely critical to all of us. A big part of people asked for me to stand up for them was in that sort of kind, inclusive society was also about integrity of government. And so, you know, helping to draft and put forward the National Anti-Corruption Commission. So working with the government again on what form that would take to make sure that we had the best um, commission possible. And that's just starting the in the last few months. And from a business point of view, I've been focused on holding um, some tax roundtables in terms of where the future of our tax system should be, as well as working with the government and also the opposition across the parliament in making sure the industrial relations reforms that the government's putting in are actually appropriate for business too. So again, with that business hat. And my final, probably my personal highlights have been helping to secure the release of of a, um, Australia's longest detainee, uh, offshore and, and onshore detainee, Saeed Amasi, who got released just a couple of months ago. And he was in detention for, I think, for about 13 years. And so now he's um, going to pass to permanency in, in Australia. And I think that's those are the values of our community, of kindness, of, you know, recognising people's humanity and helping people get a go in life. So that's probably be, I think, a highlight, career highlight, probably for the rest of my life, to be honest. I think it's great. And I think having those three guiding pillars is so important to when you kind of come at choosing what you're going to focus on next or making those key decisions where is this important to the community? Is this something that I need to be able to focus on? And is this worth the time you're, you've got this, I don't know, this tiny window to really make a really big impact and there's a lot of pressure on it everybody it holds politicians accountable which I think is great but it's also the pressure on you to kind of say well what are we going to do how are we going to act so having those three guiding pillars is really important when it comes to climate action I've obviously that's something that is very passionate to that our listeners are very passionate about and I think it's something that we're probably not seeing as many of the federal members taking as much responsibility as I think people anticipated with. How has your approach been to kind of engaging with members and kind of bringing them along on the journey? In terms of engaging with community or engaging with the parliament? Engaging with parliament. Yeah. Look, I think it's, I've got to say, climate is still both a current issue, you know, you're seeing, watching the fires that have been happening in Europe and other places, but it's also, it's an issue for our generation and for future generations, absolutely critical to get right. And to be honest, we need to do more. And, and I see my role is to pressure the government to do more on climate and to take more action and be bolder. And so, for example, on electric vehicles, the government didn't take a significant strategy on electric vehicles to the election, and that was very disappointing. But, you know, my role and other independents has been to, is to push the government to say, my community supports greater action on electric vehicles. You know, we're ready and we're waiting for it. So it's time to bring in fuel efficiency standards. And I'm really pleased to say that the government has agreed to bring in fuel efficiency standards. Getting those right is the sort of next piece to make sure those fuel efficiency standards are right. But it's absolutely critical that we keep the pressure on things like that as well so also helping households in you know in different areas you know electrify to get onto solar get onto batteries and get off gas so those are some of the things that I'm trying to do to say you just have to keep the pressure up on climate action and, and that's what I think about every day 
I'd love to kind of focus on that every day that you're talking about then, because I think a lot of our listeners probably aren't lobbying the government or doing anything like that in their day to day, but they're probably dealing with people in their lives, whether that be their workplace or their colleagues or people in their community that don't feel the same way that they do about climate. How would you recommend that they kind of go about that when they are trying to be those early adopters to really push and to make change and they're probably coming up against some really significant hurdles? What would be your advice to them facing this and how they could probably go about this? I guess you could call it if you're going to be use a boring corporate term, stakeholder engagement. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Look, I think I'm... Um... First, I always say start with the that maxims of seek first to understand, then to be understood. And so I think if they're trying to convert other people, understand firstly what where they're at. What is interesting sometimes is that there can be more for some people, you know, and I think it's a smaller and smaller, ever shrinking group of people who who don't think we need to take action on climate. But a lot of people support action on the environment, on plastics, on keeping our beaches and our environment clean compared to climate. So I think starting actually, maybe that's the place to start with that group of people if they're not if they're not converted, focus on, you know, some of the work that amazing work that you guys do in terms of saying how to make sure we protect our environment as well as taking action on climate, because those two things are very interlinked. And then I secondly think is Keep the action and the pressure up on the politicians. You know, you may feel like um, it doesn't make sense to write to your MP. Write to your MP. It really does. People, you know, I look every day at, you know, what is coming in, what are people saying to me, and it influences me and it influences other MPs too. So write to your local MPs, federal, state, local, make them sure that they know that this is important to you. And then finally, what are the actionable things that, you know, you guys can do in your own personal lives, you know, in your own climate journey? In, in terms of, you know, transforming your impact, because I think that's really important and love to you know, talk more about that sort of actionable impact people can take. No, I would love to find out more because that is kind of what the aim of this podcast is to educate people firstly on kind of what is going on and what is out there in their community or in the broader community, but also to give them the tools. Because I feel like when I started Banished five years ago, there was all of this doom and gloom information out there about kind of everything that was going wrong with the planet. But I was just going, well, no, I want to be told exactly how I can take action and how I can do something about it. And I think that is the most empowering thing that we can do for individuals and community groups and businesses as well. So kind of, yeah, how would you, what would you recommend? You know, I think from a personal point of view, but also from a business point of view, you know, looking at your own emissions and particularly in a household point of view, electrifying your house. Now, some people say, well, aren't my house is electricity anyway. Do <laughs> I need to electrify? But I mean by that is is looking at solar batteries, but also, you know, electric appliances, so getting off gas, 
getting into sort of elect- electric heating um, and sort of getting into EVs, those are the opportunities that every household can take to make a difference to the whole of their of the planet. Because frankly, you know, out of our domestic emissions, forty percent of those are households. So we're actually really important, but the government can't force forty percent of households. It's actually a lot of households making that decision. And I know it's you know some of this is expensive. And so what I always say to people, this isn't about saying, okay, throw everything out tomorrow. It's saying, okay, when you are replacing your stove, go electric, you know, get an induction heat, you know, or induction or electric um, stove next time. When your hot water system goes, you know, when it's time to replace that, make sure that you're ready for the electric one or heat pump. That's the transition. When you're looking at your next car, you know, think about those options. And, you know, we've also got some resources on our website on allegraspender.com.au there's a piece there where you can look at some of the government incentives and you know both at the state level and federal level in terms of helping people pay for some of these things and we're really pushing to say look how can we get better resources out there for everyone to be able to make those decisions really carefully but I think that's really the point that you're right we all have an opportunity to make a difference and so get out there and and make that difference and also you know I think I've always admired what you do Lottie and you know some of the things that you said it's also about the choices of the food that we eat you know just you know eating meat one less day a week it doesn't have to be the sort of radical green agenda you can start with you know your own personal climate journey and saying what what can I do that will make a difference no I think it's great and it's about including or involving the planet in your decision making process not only if you are a big organization it's adding a figurehead for the planet to that corporate board or it's kind of when you are at home kind of not just thinking about the cost the convenience but also the planet and what the impact is going to be I think is really important to also consider now one thing I had for you as well Allegra as we have a very a young audience who are really excited and passionate about the community and also about climate, but they're probably, I'm going to say, hesitant to reach out to their MPs or to get involved in politics because it can be scary and it's a bit of this kind of, I don't know, nomad land of I don't even know. For me, I wasn't taught politics at school. I don't really know too much about it. I want to get involved, but I'm not really sure exactly where to start and what the right thing to do is. How would you recommend that somebody who's kind of not going to start kind of signing up probably to be, I don't know, there at the ballot boxes for you, but how would somebody get involved with their local parliament or talking to their local politicians? Look, everyone's got an MP address. And so every politician, in so if you're talking at the federal level, but also at the state level, if you Google your local MP and go onto their website, they will all have an email address and a phone number. And I would just email them. And it can be just a five-line email that says, hi, I'm Allegra. I live in, I live in your electorate. I live here. I'm just telling you that the most important thing to me is climate action. And I would love to see the government being more ambitious on this. And particularly, for instance, we're renters and apartment dwellers in this area. You've got to make it easier for us to take action. So, you know, and I think that's as much as it needs to be at the start. But I also would say, you know, we've got a lot of um, different people who volunteered um, for the campaign, including young people who I think it was a bit intimidating, but they did meet all these different people. They met, you know, worked with different generations and have really got involved. And I think, you know, it's actually how I originally got involved in climate was I was one of those people who was like, 
what can I do practically to make a difference? And that's how I got involved in the Sydney Renewable Power Company, which put solar panels on the um, convention centre because I wanted to make a practical difference and I just needed something to do. And so that's why I would also say it's worthwhile contacting your MP, um, but also get involved. You know, you can also um, volunteer, you know, for your MP, but also for land care, for all these other organisations, um, no doubt for, for Banish as well to make a, a difference in a practical sense as well. So put your time in, you'll meet different people, that's really fun, um, but never be afraid to reach out to your MP. They are there to serve you. And if they have, if they don't serve you, tell me and I'll go and harass them myself <laughs> and say, I have people who you've asked and they, you haven't got back to them and that's a problem because I, my job is to get back to you, you know, and to tell you what I'm doing and to take what you care about into account and so is every other MPs out there. No, I think it's great. And it's also just really important to remember that MPs are people. They are individuals. They, are. <laughs> they, they check their emails. <laughs> they have a phone number. They do these different types of things. When you message somebody on Instagram, yes, you might have a team that helps manage it, but it will eventually get back to that person. And I think sometimes when it comes to politics and politicians, we think of them as these I don't know, these figureheads, like a stuffed doll, but no, there's a person in there and we need to remember that as well. So for my final question, we've kind of, we've have spoken a lot today about different actions that people can take, but I want to hear just one final piece of advice from you because I ask every guest, if there was one thing that our listeners could do tomorrow to help save our planet, what would it be? I would say work out what your climate journey is and take the first step. And don't try and do it all at once. If your first step is to say, I'm buying a keep cup, I'm going to be religious for the next month. I'm going to do and stick with that. And then the next month is, okay, I'm going to do that. Like just get, do one thing, embed it, move on to the next and don't feel overwhelmed at having to do everything at once. Perfect. I feel like you've taken the words right out of my mouth there because it is that journey. That's the biggest thing there is it's we're all at different stages. We're all doing completely different things. It's not a one size fits all approach, but just quietly chip away at your own little thing and you will make a big difference. That's exactly right. Look, the only other thing I'll say is don't be afraid to speak up. You can be respectful You and ask questions. Like if you're at work and say, just ask the question, you know, what's our plan in, you know, net zero? Do we have a plan in the company that you work for? You start with a respectful conversation. Again, it prompts people. So, you know, it doesn't mean you have to do it at every single meeting, but, you know, don't be afraid to speak up. You know, if you do it respectfully, most people will listen. I think it's right. You're right. And also asking questions. You're not kind of being, I don't know, you're not, I don't know, nailing people down and kind of saying, why haven't you done this? And what's happening here? You're just saying, do we have a plan? What is our goal for 2030? Are we heading towards net zero emissions? What is the plan that the company or the organization has to get there? I don't think it needs to come from a really negative, aggressive space. It's just about planting a seed and you plant seeds nicely. You don't plant them really aggressively. (laughs) Yeah, it's great one, buddy. Thank you so much, Allegra. It has been so lovely chatting to you today. It's great to catch up again, Lottie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.